Very special and interesting guests, and we definitely got a lot of them in the chamber. But for this particular episode, man, we just kind of wanted to um, let y'all figure out who we are, the hosts, the people putting this shit together. Six ninety nine per pound podcast. So with that said, your getting boy J Key and Joanne just yeah. shooting the shit, man. Mm-hmm. Getting to know each other because we're each strangers. Other. <laughs> Yeah, we should go into how this came together. Um, yeah, or Do you want sure. to do the questions first? Nah, nah. Let's <laughs> just talk about. Well, so yeah, okay. So, off top, uh, I still get questions like, "Yo, why is it six ninety nine per pound podcast?" Yes. So, um, I one thing that I didn't really like about a lot of podcasts, especially interview driven podcasts, mm-hmm. was that people tend to interview a lot of different. Like individuals with accomplishments, mm-hmm. right? And I wanted to kind of break that. We're actually off, not necessarily Just break, but offer, yeah, mm-hmm. offer something different. And you know, I'm an inquisitive individual. Like I, I like to talk to people in general. Like so, if you're, if you're the, f- uh, the if you like make pretzels for a living, like I want to ask, how the fuck do you make pretzels? Mm-hmm. Like if you're a cab driver, like I want to ask, like. Okay, like how many hours do you work, and like how do you shift? Like, do how, how much does it cost to fucking buy a medallion? So, mm-hmm. I wanted to create a podcast series that talked to individuals with very interesting or everyday occupations. So, I approached uh, one of our producers, Julie, with the idea, thinking that okay, I just want to be a talent, and because I, you know, I, I was done with just fucking diva. I just I don't wanted to produce shit anymore. At least not for this. I just want to. Just, you know, just talk, just shoot the shit. And um, the idea that I hit her with was, yo, let's call it like Hot Food Deli. Um, because I, I used to work at um, at one of those like Korean-owned New York City Hot Food Delis where they have a little buffet section um, and they serve like different types of food, a little <coughs> overpriced at most times. But I used to work in there as a cashier mm-hmm. slash occasional sushi chef slash occasional pizza boy wow you know what i mean tons um, of slashes i know a lot of slashes it never change right uh so i was like yo you know like the host the creators behind this podcast series they're of korean descent i want to offer a wide variety of content a wide variety of individuals not just like one particular type of people that i want to interview i want to interview a wide variety of people so let's call it Hafu Delhi. She liked the idea, along with my current co-host Joanne, who she was like, "Oh, like we should bring her in because it should be balanced out because you have a particular type of energy, and Joanne has another type of energy, and then Yang balance it out." So yeah, am I like, the light and are you the dark? <laughs> nah, I'm the light and you the dark. I'm the light. Nah, fuck that. Okay, whatever. Yo, I'm the light. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, so with that said. Uh, 
I, we, I, you know, we was like, yo, let's stick with this name, Hafudeli, and Joanne and Julie fucking hated the name. <laughs> she was like, yo, this shit sounds disgusting. I do not want to be. I didn't say a, disgusting. You said that you don't want it to be affiliated with, with any food. podcast with food oriented. And so there was like, yo, how much, you know, like, why don't we call it six ninety nine? And I was like, nah, that shit sounds like a sexual position, you know? And I wasn't the only it one who felt that. hasn't stopped you before. It, it, it hasn't. <laughs> You know, I wasn't the only one who thought that, but then eventually we settled on six ninety nine per pound. So that's pretty much the genesis of this podcast of the series. Podcast, yeah. Is there anything that you would like to fact check? Yes. Well, how we met. So okay. uh, everyone is like, how the hell did you guys all know each other? Mm. Um, Julie Young, just a little bit about this amazing woman, you know, has like three like charities that she works with two of them which she founded you know has two beautiful kids recovering lawyer um she kind of was like the connective tissue between like me you and marcus and that she did this not your average series right for korean american story i met you through bad rap yeah no but like in terms of how i met her oh okay yeah and then we caught the things rolling um i introduced myself to her so i noticed that she was doing a lot of stuff with korean american story and i was volunteering for them and she had the series called not your average Uh, so one time i saw her in fat buddha probably for like a bad rap i don't know i think it was like dumb's after party or something um but uh, I came up to her and I was just like, I love your show. I love what you're doing, like uplifting voices, unique mm. voices like Jakey Cho and all these other people. And that's we kind of really bonded and kind of had this amazing relationship. And she started to introduce me to more people. And I moderated her panels and I moderated the panel with you and Salima right. about filmmakers of color behind the camera. And then I think she, maybe she briefly saw an interaction there and was just kind of like, this could be interesting. Um, and then a side note, you know, Salima worked at Great Big Story. So. Right. Salima's my um, partner. Yeah. Slash for the Bad director Rap. of Bad Rap. Yeah. Documentary available now on Netflix. <laughs> but also you could purchase support. it on iTunes. Yes. Support. Yes, you try yes. to buy it. More, yeah. Try to prompt. buy it, yo. Um, but then again, nah, it, it's, it's, on, it's on Netflix, yo. Just watch it on yeah. Netflix. Um, but. I think it kind of all melted together, just New York being New York and, like, everyone kind of knowing each other. Um, But that's the only little thing I would add to, like, how all of this came together. Right, right. And, you know, the sound engineer, mix master. Yes, Marcus. Marcus Ham, hard as a motherfucker. (laughs) Like, I've known Marcus since I was... I would say 16. 16 or 17. I I used to... um, I used to intern for this rapper, Korean-American rapper named Snacky Chan. Um, and, um, Throwback. yeah, yeah. And, you know, this guy, he, he had an amazing voice. He made amazing tracks. Um, and then one time we were going up to Boston for a show and, um, Marcus happened to be in the same car as us. <coughs> and yeah, that's how, that's how I yeah. met Marcus. And, yeah. then ever and now since he's then, like killing just, it. Yeah. We just kind of yeah, kept in touch. And then, you know, he actually, help record mix master a lot of the projects i was involved in including some of my mixtapes including rex disease second album whatever you say bad rap he made uh he did all the sound engineering and mixing and mastering for bad rap um and now he's uh doing tracks with a lot of like k-pop artists and korean rappers and yeah, so on he's and so killing forth. it. Yeah, staying busy and also making sure that six ninety nine per pound sounds yes. prosperous. 
fire. Sounds luxurious <laughs> as fuck for your eardrums. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, man, that's pretty much the breakdown. So yeah, I know you have some questions for us. Not for us, really for, for you. Us, yeah, for us, for me. Really for you. We're interviewing each other. Yeah. No. I was actually looking up like best friend tags. You know on you. <laughs> nah, nah. You know on YouTube, it's like the YouTubers like tag each other of like best friend tag, and it's like oh like your favorite food, and you try to answer it together. I was looking for those, but that sounds wild. I knew you were gonna say that, yeah. so I scrapped it quick, very okay, quickly. Okay, so right, let's cool, cool. <laughs> let's, let's get into your. Let's questions. just keep it like an interrogation mode, yo. <laughs> Yeah, I need that law and order music. I need that law and order music in the I know, background. Exactly. For um, <laughs> fair use though. <laughs> yeah, for fair use. I shouted out law and order. I made sure. Yeah. Um so yeah, let's just let's just break it down. Cause people are asking me, yo, like, oh, so shout out to everybody that left comments on iTunes. Man. Oh yes. I mean and reviews. So many comments, less than ten. <laughs> but yo, each comment meant so much for me. I'm sure it meant a lot for uh, Joanne as well. All po- all comments have been positive thus far. And if it's a negative comment, make sure you bring that energy when you see me. You heard? <laughs> um, so yeah, like all the comments have been positive. And I think one of the things that was mentioned was um, the chemistry between young Joanne and I. Mm-hmm. But they're asking... You know, like, where's where are we from individually? So you, you want to kind of break that down? Yeah. So I was born in Korea, uh, South Korea. Uh, and I came to America when I was seven mm-hmm. and settled in California, like Glendale area. Grew up. What is Glendale? Like, what was that area like for the, for the East Coast? For the East Coast? It's like, when I lived there, it was like... I don't know if I went to a particular school. It was all Armenian. It was just me. Literally, like, I moved to America, and I had... There was not another single Korean person. There was one girl who was, like, a grade above me who spoke Korean. So I ended up, like, tagging along with her. Mm. But it was all Armenian kids. And I went there for a while. Uh, Shout out to Emerson Elementary. And I eventually moved to Arcadia, 626. Mm. Arcasia. They call it the Chinese Beverly Hills. Mm. Um, Who's just mad Asian 70% kids. Asian. Oh, shit. Yeah, Taiwanese-American what's also. The, what's the remaining 30%? Like, other LOL. Like, white, I guess. Like, there weren't a lot. Yeah. Um, and it was crazy growing up because every high school stereotype was, like, flipped in terms of, like, the drum major of our marching band was always the prom king. Like, the uh. hottest guy at school was the guy who got the 2400 on the SATs. Like, oh, oh my God, shit. like, Sean Matangter got, like, 2400. Oh, my God, he's going to go to all the Ivies. And all the girls were just, like, ready to trap him, you know? <laughs> Literally, I was like, what is happening? And that, was that, that shit was probably, like, <laughs> common for you. So when you were watching TV, you were like, wow, the stereotypes are so different. Exactly. So I was just, like, it, it was so mind-boggling. Like, our football team team suck but our cross-country team was great you know like all that stamina of like the asian (laughs) endurance um it was so i live right behind the din tai fung which like do you know what din tai fung is yeah i know is that is a chain super for dim sum yeah but like the most like famous like prestigious and i live behind that din tai fung not knowing how like lucky i was damn that's just you probably smell like soup dumplings every morning yeah it was glorious and i grew up there Got into University of Second Choice, aka USC. What was like, the first choice? Um, I really wanted to go to Wellesley, but looking back, I was like, "Why the hell would I want to go to Connecticut?" A, yeah, like to an all-girls school. Why? Not in. I don't think Wellesley is in Connecticut. It's in Boston. 
Oh shit! Yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, no, it's all good. I apologize. To <laughs> whatever sorry, school Wellesley. And no, I literally just saw Mona Lisa smile, and I was like, I want to go to Wellesley, uh-huh. but then didn't get in. Sad. And I went to USC, which we're like one of the biggest feeder schools to USC. What is a feeder school? Like you know how like Arcadia had the, a lot of people. Oh, go so you're to talking about USC? Like, yeah, the, the high school that you went to in yes, Arcadia. So. Yes. And I went to USC, oh, and I had this like you know create like this is a typical college experience like this is america right Mm. shout out to childish gambito but like this is america like like even though usc is pretty diverse it was like 30 percent asian um i still was shocked of just like the different things about you're like white people people! yeah um and like and yeah it was crazy and then you know that's where i'm from but i moved to new york for an amazing job and i've been here for four years okay that's great yeah what about you um i i was born in south korea as well i was birthed motherland in the motherland um and then um i moved to china when i was a kid oh i think i was like seven because mm-hmm. um, of my pop situation. He had like a little thing going on for himself over there. Yeah. So I lived in China. So my elementary school career started in China. So I lived in China for like three years. Mm-hmm. Um, it was an interesting experience. And then uh, we immigrated to America when I was um, about nine or ten. And uh, I grew up in Queens. Queens, Queens, more specifically, Elmhurst, Woodside, Jackson Heights. Mm -hmm. Those were my stomping grounds all throughout my adolescent years. And Mm -hmm. then um, I went to uh, Fordham, Fordham University in New York. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, in the Bronx. Um, So that was an interesting experience because I used to go up to the Bronx on Fordham Road just to buy sneakers Mm -hmm. when I was in high school. And I had friends that went to like Bronx Science which is like not too far from Fordham University. But when I got to Fordham, the main campus in the Bronx, it was like my first real exposure to to white people to that magnitude. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was like weird. Cause like, like sorority fraternity systems and stuff. They, they, like, I, I, they probably had those, but I wasn't really involved like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? But one thing that was kind of crazy culture shock for me was as soon as the sun came out, Yo, white people love to tan, yo. Oh, like, yeah. in the fucking yard. <laughs> yo, motherfuckers was playing Same frisbee at USC. and shit. Mm-hmm. Yo, Ultimate and frisbee. yo, why do white people, like, they don't wear, like, shoes when they be running around the grass and shit. Yo, Ugh. that shit was a culture yeah. shock, yo. I was it's like, like flip. Yo. They wear shoes indoors yeah. and they take them off outdoors. Yeah, it's and like, I was like, yo, what is that? What? Why are they doing that, yo? <laughs> yo, what It's the like, fuck? you're going to catch something. What the fuck? Oh, no. and then, yeah, man, that shit was kind of wild for me. And then, But but the interesting thing about Fordham is that it's literally like a small gated community in the middle of the Bronx. Like right outside, you know, it's like, is the hood mm-hmm. you know what i mean it's like fordham road yeah. like that area is you know it's like there's pockets of like pockets of places where like tourists come through like bronx zoo botanical garden arthur ave but like the areas surrounding it is the hood and then you have fordham this gated school inside is like a culmination of white folks from the tri-state and middle america and shit like that yeah and um so we did that for a year and then I, um, uh, the recession happened, so that kind of unveils my age, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I had to, mm-hmm. I had to move back to Queens. Um, and I've been, you know, living in Queens ever since. Yeah. So that's pretty much like what my origin story is. But yeah, like I, here's the thing about Queens, man. 
I recently went back to my high school to like give a little talk to the children because oh JK is for the children. That is so cute. It was so tight because I just sometimes I forget how diverse the, the how diverse my surrounding was. Yeah. Like in the in in a room of like forty kids, like there was this one girl who was half Dominican, half Chinese. There was this <laughs> one kid who was like half Greek and half like Jewish of a certain descent. Yeah. And like every kid was either a half or from a different part mm-hmm. of the world, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I, that's kind of what I grew up on. Yeah. So it was kind of mind-boggling for me sometimes, especially during my late teens and early 20s when I saw like how close-minded or close like they lived in very small pockets. Yeah without any diversity in the mm-hmm. communities you mm-hmm. know what i'm saying so I, I feel so blessed for growing up in queens man. yeah no i mean it's crazy how it, do you keep in touch with a lot of your high school friends or unfortunately i don't and mm-hmm. it's not because it's not you know you stri- you, you kind of like drift away Grow apart a little yeah just because you are in different places in your life. Yeah, I feel you know? that. Some yeah. of the, some of my friends are like married and have kids. Mm-hmm. Some of them are still fucking up. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they all have like different careers. Yeah. Different types of careers. Yes. So I don't really keep in touch with many. Mm-hmm. But when I see them, it's all love because they say like um, some of your friends from your adolescent years is just genuine because you were kind of stuck with them. <laughs> You know what I'm yes, saying? Like yeah. it wasn't like, oh, like yeah. I need to get something out of you, so I need yeah. to be friendly with you. It mm-hmm. was just like, nah, fuck you, fuck you, <laughs> back and forth. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh, like uh-huh. it was just, it is what it is. Yeah, for sure. So it, it is mind-boggling. Like whenever I go back to LA now, and like it, I just think about like the high school that I came from, and like there was four thousand people in my high school, uh-huh. right? Like a thousand people, yeah, a lot of per graduating kids. class. And I just think about and everybody like, drove. Uh, a lot of them, yeah. So wait, hold up. See, that's one thing that I don't get about like high schools outside of New York, right? Oh yeah. So your parking lot could contain four thousand kids. No, no, no. I mean, obviously, freshman to senior, four thousand kids, a thousand per graduating class, and only seniors were allowed to drive, drive and not all oh. of them have cars. And yeah, so it it does parse out a well, little bit. But that shit is still like a fucking football stadium. It is. Like, it is. Parking lot. Yeah. I mean, our marching band was three hundred people. Jesus yeah, it was Christ. anyway, but this all points to how like how few of us uh-huh. ended up like here, you know, or ended up where in it, New York or ended up in New York or just like having a career or or went outside of Arcadia, you know, went outside mm. of our suburb. And it's it's just really interesting how like the smartest people in your class, like where they are now and like all the people who maybe some unexpected people because I was kind of very like middle of the road like I wasn't like the smartest I wasn't the dumbest you know I was very average in, mm. in high school and I I like to think like I like work really hard in college and everything and like I really paved something of myself but mm. no one I know for a fact that people are like her like mm. her like she didn't have good grades like she wasn't like the president of anything mm. she wasn't you know so it's really unexpected you know oh, high school cool. sometimes isn't like the best indicator of like because i see my cousins and my younger kids and their moms being like you have to like you know get straight a's and you have to like kill it in high school and i'm just like that's really is the least like amount of indication of like how successful that person's gonna be you're right 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 yeah i i, I think it goes 
it depends. It, it all depends, right? Yeah. So I have a homie uh-huh. who was always like a, a, you know, he always got A's, but he wasn't a nerd though. Like mm-hmm. this kid, you know, still knew how to play soccer. He was like not bad at <laughs> well basketball, rounded. like, you know what I'm saying? But he, you know, he, he was sociable. He always hung out with the right people. Like he was always hanging out with the cool kids, but he was always in the honors classes and yeah. AP classes and shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and this kid, like, he just started working professionally a little bit later than most of us because he's Korean by descent, so he had to go to the army and all oh, of that. Oh, okay. But, yo, this motherfucker just has a corporate job and he only been working like three, four years and shit, like, he fucking has a savings that he could buy a house now. Uh-huh. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, yeah. so he's money management and all of that is totally. just on point. And mm-hmm. he's always been on point. Like, he yeah. was prepping for the SAT since it was like fucking 12, 13. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, like, and I'm like exactly... A lot of my peers and high school friends just tell me, like, Yo, you're doing exactly what we expected you to do. Mm, you know what I'm saying? Okay, like, just I was, hustling. I was rapping. Yeah. I was, like, part of the key club. Yeah. But then I started, like, some fucking small organization oh. dedicated to raising money for rainforest. Oh, my God. Like, I was always, like... Entrepreneurial. Kind of, like, you know, wanted to lead shit. Yeah. And, you know, I yeah. was always dressing differently. Mm-hmm. Like, I dressed, like, like, I had, like, a grandma hat on. Mm-hmm. With like a golfer pants, mm-hmm. yeah, I was always like kind of loud, eccentric. Yeah, a, a bit eccentric, mm-hmm. I would say. Did you get any superlatives in high school? Like um, most likely or nah? Ah, uh, I don't think I did mm-hmm. because like towards high school, yeah. like I kind of shifted away from a lot of my core high school friends. Like it wasn't that like, it, which is kind of like the same case for me now too. Like I wouldn't say it was an Irish exit, but it was like. <laughs> Like, oh, where? Like, y'all want to go and, like, fucking smoke weed and trying to bag shorties and just, you know, just chill? Oh, mm-hmm. shit, where? All right, cool. Like, I'm going to just, you know, Irish I was like, nah, yeah, like, I would just like, fucking go to the city by myself yeah. and fucking go to art galleries. And mm-hmm. I was, like, 16 and shit, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. No, good head on your shoulders. But not, not even. It's just, like, I, I was always just kind of, like, distant, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? So Yeah, that's good. But then this leads us to our question of, um, what do you do aside from the podcast? Okay. People are like, I'm like, this is not our full time jobs, obviously. Yeah, that's why that's why the updates have been um not as frequent as it should be. <laughs> uh-huh. But um yeah, you wanna you wanna kinda break down like what you do for a living? For me? Yeah. Okay. Um so I work for CNN and their emerging brands department. So they're CNN proper, right? There's, mm-hmm. you know, what you see on TV. And they have, like, uh, different arms like any company would. Then it's emerging brands. As so you in, have like, you ever spoken to Wolf Blitzer? No. Or I've Anderson never. Cooper? I've seen Anderson, but okay. I haven't, like, talked to him. What? I've seen Jeff Zucker, like, mm-hmm. and just people. But it's uh, d- the digital arm because CNN's demographic is, like, 50 plus. <laughs> 50 plus, really? Yeah, you know, That's really the demographic? Yeah, it's like old people who watch the news. Like, who still watches TV? Old people, right? Mm. So, you know, they're like, okay, well, in order That's to sustain... That's what Nielsen tells you? Yeah. Okay, um, you know, right. if Shout you, out to Nielsen. Shout out to Nielsen. If you want to sustain as a business, you have to diversify your audience, and they wanted to reach younger people. So mm. they ha- the emerging brand has, you know, spends a lot of um, energy into... Uh, digital properties like Great Big Story is like my big brand which we create mini documentaries about mm. um, the untold the unseen and but flat out amazing and we do very diverse amount of stories like um, you know we did a story about Dunfounded about being an Asian American rapper 
you know, mm-hmm. um, and how... How much bad rap footage did y'all use as D-Bros? <laughs> we did not use bad rap. Well, I mean, we also got the blessing from Slima to, to do the story. Um, and Or we, we just... Um, did another story about uh, now you told me about this uh chinese cuban restaurant i yeah. thought that shit was tight yeah um about like that that niche community that no one really talked about mm. we talked about you know uh we do a lot of stories about like regional delicacies like chopped cheese things. you say that shit like uh, <laughs> is that nah, a nah, thing nah, in new york city chopped I mean, yo, cheese listen, man. sandwich or something listen man Okay, that's a whole nother discussion. Okay, that's another discussion. Because, yo, man, the fucking gentrification of chopped cheese, that shit breaks my heart. Uh, well, we went to the source, so and we paid homage to him. And But we do stories from There's all over the world as well. discussions about the source as well, though. Yeah, Did you okay. go to the spot in Harlem? Yeah. You were, like, thinking, is it Harlem? Yeah, no, Harlem. Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, yeah, and then, um, anyway, so we do, um, and we did a story about, like, mochi. Like, if I think about the most popular stories we did, we mm. did a story it's about these. a lot of food-oriented joints. Yeah, um, and we did a story about um, these Hawaiian, like, the art of hula mm. and with men and how it's one of the most grueling, like, warrior Training type training sessions. yeah Work. and we did a story about this 80 you know something year old bodybuilder like so that's what i do and what my specific title is like audience um manager so i'm all about like growing audiences i have a background in research so i did research at mtv about like what do people watch why do people watch it and wow. how do we do what yeah and i came so when is this podcast gonna go viral I know. I mean, that's why I'm kind of handling that, right? Of like our analytics of like how long people are, you know, listening to us and shout uh, out to you guys because you guys are actually listening to us till the end. So amazing. Wow, really? Yes. Um, shout out to you, motherfuckers. <laughs> shout out to you. Uh, but I've been moving more into the creative of people are like, oh, you know what works, quote unquote, of like what videos do no well. No shit, because you do like, the research. Exactly. So you see the data. Yeah, so I've been getting more involved with pitching stories mm. and pitching series ideas, mm. um, doing partnerships and stuff. We did this brief partnership with um, where we released a documentary about the Hyatt Brothers. We mm. talked about this before um, with 88 Rising um, and you know other partnerships with like different museums or something like that. And I'm working on a music series right now where it's kind of like deconstructed meets um, chef's table. So Mm. I'm really getting into music producers who have a unique sound and having them deconstruct a track or their unique process. Um, Yeah, so I do wear a lot of different hats, but mainly I'm just, you know, point blank in media, working in development, whether Mm. it's business or audience. and report back to the mothership at CNN to be like, this is how our brands are doing, right. if we're meeting our numbers and stuff. And on the side, obviously, this podcast, which is really important to me. And that's kind of it. And just, I had like random stints everywhere. That's true. So, that's yeah, true. yeah, volunteering. No, that sounds, that and sounds stuff. fun, yo. I think I forget that you worked at Great Big Story, even though we record this podcast yeah, out of the Yeah, literally here. <laughs> my, shout out to Great Big Story, see, Yeah, shout out to Great Big Story. Shout and out my, to Ted Turner. And my coworkers are, like, so supportive. They're like, when is it coming out? And, like, we love hearing you guys. And they're oh, just, wow. like, the best. That's they're, amazing, yeah. yo. Shout out to the coworkers, yo. <laughs> um, nah, that's, that's super tight. Um, Let's go. But what about you? Especially nowadays. You have um, so many different hats. Yeah, that was that's always been like one of my positives, but also my negatives. I think like mm, just the jack of all trades trope. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, so I come from 
a media background, I would say. Yeah. See, I, I say that carefully because there's like veterans in that field. They might look at it and just scoff at my resume. Oh, come on. Like, <laughs> You've done amazing you work. do shit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, um, yeah, like I, I've, uh, I was throughout college. So when I was a kid, I wanted to be a rapper mm-hmm. and I wanted to be a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to be a magazine editor. Okay. So I, this is like the list goes on from eleven no, to no. fifteen. Okay. And then when I was like five, I wanted to own like a beverage company. So like I feel like I'm many kinda, dreams. Yeah, I'm kind. I kind of have a checklist of all the shit that I wanted to do, and I'm kind of checking them off okay. little by little. So, um. Being around rappers since I was like 16, 17, I noticed, like, wow, like sustaining a living in this lifestyle um, is definitely, not only is it difficult, but it's, it's, it's not something that I felt like really fit my, you know, fit what I wanted to do. Because, uh-huh. you know, being an indie rapper in any market is a lot of time on the road, especially in America. Um, and I was like, damn, I don't know if I want to, you know, be traveling half to half, half of half a year, like running around. Like I kind of mm-hmm. wanted something like stable. Mm-hmm. So I was like, yo, you know what? Let me try to get a job doing something that I'm passionate about, but also getting like a decent check. So I ended up working in the hip hop media as a writer and then eventually an editor um, working for names like Complex and then Double XL. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I hated that shit. <laughs> I was like, yo, fuck this, man. I don't want to be in here anymore, man. I don't want to write about shit that I'm not passionate about or edit articles that I felt like it obviously has its markets, but, you know, I kind of lost that passion after a certain point. So always wanted to have my own business, but always wanted to make a film. So I pursued uh, documentary filmmaking, you know, Thanks to my partner, Salima Karoma, mm-hmm. who approached me uh, about doing a project. And then we brainstormed, came up with the ideal of making a doc about Asian-American rappers. And yeah. uh, we did okay. Uh, More premiered than okay. at Tribeca. <laughs> available now on Netflix, you motherfuckers. Um, so, yeah, we, but, but while simultaneously um, I started working with this boutique out in Brooklyn, um, sneaker boutique out in Brooklyn, uh, second generation owned Korean American owners uh, and I started doing marketing and branding for them and uh, I, I pitched them the ideal of opening a location of, in Queens, specifically Flushing Queens because I felt like um, it was an underserved market so we felt that it was only appropriate so that was like another one of my dreams for like many years like to own a business, a destination where like young creative types could come through, not only like spend money, because at the end of the day, we live in a capitalistic society, so you gotta make money, man. Bread is important, guys. Mm -hmm. Don't just dream, man, make money too. (laughs) Um, But then again, like, you know, wanted to kind of create that type of a hub. Yeah. So it was like a long-term project, Mm -hmm. maybe like, first I needed to build trust with the owners and then I had to build enough trust and equity for me to become an owner myself and um, to execute the idea from scratch. So it just took a long time, but now it's finally here. Um, we opened the shop officially on May 12th, mm-hmm. 2018 it was in Flushing on Northern Boulevard. 
at a computer store, at a former computer store. So I used to take the bus, this bus called Q66, mm-hmm. that goes through Northern Boulevard and dropped me off at the high school that I went to. So on the way back to Flushing, um, the computer store was always the second to last stop before I got off the bus. And I would always take the bus and pass by that computer store. And like, who would have known, man, like fucking 12, 15 years later, like I'll be a yeah. co-owner mm-hmm. of a sneaker slash menswear boutique yeah. in that same location. Yeah. So yo, man, words manifest. They really do. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you talk about it and work hard at it, eventually it might happen. Mm-hmm. You know. yeah. So, so yeah, that's that's what I'm focused on, and obviously this podcast right now. Yeah. Um, so the next question is, why did you decide to do this podcast? We kind of got into it. Yeah, a yeah. Bit. We talked about it. Yeah. Um, um, I I think my biggest thing too is is I don't want I don't really care if this gets like huge or like so many people are listening to it or anything. But no, I think it's important. <laughs> Y'all need to listen to it. Yeah, Spread please the listen gospel. to it. Please Spread the gospel. Yeah, rate and share. I think what's important for me is like, um, for if if younger people could hear it and expand their view of like what success can look like. Mm. You know, like you can do pursue a field in like physical training or something like that, mm. or th- a physical therapy. Like it, because of our episode, that gave you a little bit of a a Insight. nugget about what yeah. it's like and what the possibilities are and for them to have also role models that aren't just you know singular like this white shit male is like an audio format for internship <laughs> sessions kind of you know and yeah informationals yeah. yeah that was so important for me when i moved to new york because informational interviews are like um kind of like dates right yeah. with like all right i'm interested in this profession mm-hmm. like can i buy you like a coffee and like pick your brain for like 30 minutes and right. just to w- learn about what you do and that was so transformative for me damn son you break this shit down so well right <laughs> now man god bless you joanne <laughs> thank you um and how people were willing to help me of you know it's right. just like i can't believe they're taking time out of their day to do this and there's definitely that desire and this need and just to bring this in a format that's accessible to everybody mm-hmm. you know not everyone lives in new york like no. not everyone has access to these people so For sure. we can we can provide that nah yo i think you summed it up perfectly you know what i'm saying like showing different facets of success and totally. different types of options out there like you don't have to necessarily be a rapper, a ball player, or a doctor, or a lawyer. There's mm-hmm. all these other occupations out in the world, man. Like, yo, matter of fact, yo, you could be uh, a person who specializes in sanitation. Yeah, I know. You know what I'm yeah, like, Ryan brought that up last time. It's like, what the fuck is wrong with that? Yeah, like, that shit is tight. You know what I'm saying? You get mad benefits. You know, you work for the city. Yes. You know, you probably work nine to five where I don't know maybe like six to three you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying like yo there's mad different options out there I, I feel like people really need to widen their horizon totally Um, and I hope this podcast is a good starting point mm-hmm. for a lot of them for you know sure yeah. yeah that's great that's great I, I kind of I kind of like the way you summed that up I gotta Thank give you props on that thanks so I, I would like to ask you this though who are some people that you know inspires you and I think one of the key words that we always want to emphasize is inspiration. Inspiration. I, mean, I know that shit sounds cliche as fuck. <laughs> I hate it now when people are yeah. like, I want to inspire. Like, <laughs> I want to inspire. No, 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 no. Stop inspiring, man. Stop inspiring and just do it. 
Yeah. But um, who are some people that kind of like make you want to do it? Yes. Um, so have you heard of this woman named Kelly Lee? Nah, talk to me. So she is the head of talent um, at ABC mm. or Disney, right? She's very, one of the highest ranking executives. Um, and At Disney? Mm-hmm. And it's talent. So Is she you part know, of the Illuminati? <laughs> no comment. No, I, I have no idea. Um, but she basically came up through a ABC being like a talent coordinator of mm. like, you know, get, getting actors and casting them right mm. to these shows and worked her way up and worked her way up and worked her way up. And now she's in this position of power, has been instrumental to um, green lighting shows like Fresh of the Boat, like green lighting shows, like helping green light shows like Blackish and like mm. actually casting for those roles. Mm. And not only them, but also writers, because um, when she... In, in her career uh, came up with this program called the ABC Talent Discovers Program mm. where it gives a it's like a talent um, I wouldn't want to say a talent show but it's kind of like a a, a Oh, open wide casting call. Mm. It is, isn't for a particular project. It isn't for anything. It's just to see what talent is out there for people of color, right? Mm. Gina Rodriguez from um, Jane Divergen came from that program. Lupita Nyong'o came from that program. Wow. Randall Park, like it's she, a lot of people of color. Lots of people of color, and she's really and um, Priyanka Chopra, like with wow. um, and she's. She She's instrumental. Used, yeah, she single-handedly really made a huge impact on what you see on television. Nah, and that, that's so fucking incredible. I know. Man. Shout out to Kelly Lee. Shout out to Kelly Lee. I didn't know about you before, <laughs> now I know about you now, ma. Yeah, she so inspires me. And it brings me back to, like, I was in college, and, you know, you go into the college counselor's office, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, God, I need a job. Like, what do I do? And mm. she was like, and the counselors walk you through, like, how to sell yourself based on what you have and I remember <clears throat> my counselor was like you know you you really like Asian American things because like I no took a shit. lot of yeah. <laughs> well I took those courses and I was writing like, and I was helping Corey the M at the time oh wait hold up yeah Corey M and oh, Audrey I wrote, a, I wrote a lot of articles oh, you for Corey <gasps> we're finding things about each other now yeah I, I wrote uh, a few cover stories for them oh great yeah, yeah I mean I it was a great experience. And, yeah. you know, when you're an intern, you start off like small markets and, you know. And I remember she was like, I think this is your thing. This this Asian-American thing, this is like your thing. And I remember wow. feeling is at the time. white? Yes. Okay. But the thing is, I felt really offended by her because I was like, you are trying to make me small. Like you, trying I'm to trying to. Pocket. Yeah, I'm trying to like, you know, like. Put me in a box. Work for like a main broadcasting station. Like I want to be like a big. I don't want to be a big fish in a small pond. Yeah, and, I, you know, obviously I was insecure. I don't want this prefix. <laughs> I'm me. I'm American. Yeah. Just like you, lady. <laughs> but looking back and like now, <laughs> um, now where I'm, this is something that I really feel invested in to be like, wait, this is my thing. You know, after working at like Viacom and like these big names, working at Turner and like being kind of like a person where I can eventually work up to a Kelly Lee level and make these, mm. you know, things happen. Executive I was just like, decisions. you know, and yeah. I've come to fully embrace the fact that like, you know what? Fuck yeah. Asian American things is my fucking thing. And yeah. I'm going to be an advocate. And I didn't necessarily ask for this responsibility, mm. but I have the responsibility. And like that fuels me when I'm like, why am I showing up to work every day and like mm. doing bullshit things sometimes? Mm. I'm like, I want to move up. I want to like, 
run. I want to get to a position of power where people listen to me. Right. Because that's when I can make a difference. No, no, one thousand percent, one thousand percent. Like I, I, that was one other thing that I really wanted to emphasize throughout this podcast is, especially I think we we covered it in um, Justin's episode. Shout yes. out to Justin Chun. Shout out. Um, yo, like it's great to have more talents out there. But more so than talents, we really need more people behind the scenes to make those dis- executive decisions, man. Yeah, totally. Man, yo, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> yo, like, whoever that's behind the camera wields more power than just people that are in front of the camera. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Exactly. And you need more people like Kelly Lee. You need more people like my partner, Salima Karoma. Yes. You need more motherfuckers like me, Jakey Cho yeah. out there. You know what I'm saying? I just got to emphasize that. But, yo, that's incredible, mm-hmm. man. That's what's up. I mean... On that topic, yeah. I, what about you? I I remember at one point, um, one of my big youngs, Donnie, who was our inaugural episode guest, oh, yes. Donnie Kwok. Um, he was he actually said something similar to me too when I was like twenty one. He was like, "Yo, you're like bilingual slash trilingual. Mm-hmm. If you want to stay in this journalism game as a music journalist or a pop culture journalist, like you should really focus on, uh." building a niche for yourself because like there's like a thousand rap writers in new york city mm-hmm. and like you being bilingual and all of that like sets you should you really like set you apart and you should really utilize that and try to like get those cover stories maybe covering g-dragon and a sigh instead of trying to chase after like a drake article yeah. And I did that, you know what I mean? But initially, I was like, nah, fuck that, man. I want to interview Drake just like my fucking, you know, yes. coworkers and shit and uh-huh. colleagues. But then I was like, you know what? Yo, if this is my specialty and if this is what I'm good at, why well, try to compete in some mm-hmm. shit that I'm not going to be as good? Yeah. You know what I mean? So, you know, I, I think that kind of leads to the point like, yo, just find your niche. Yeah. Find your specialty. And lean into it. And lean into mm-hmm. it, man. It never hurts. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So if you're like the best fucking Thai speaking music journalist trying to put some Thai shit on the map man yeah. you know what I mean oh my gosh that's like one in a million <laughs> yo say word you know seriously like, utilize those special traits that you have that you, only you have you know yeah but um so who inspires Jakey who inspires me um yo like I think it changes relatively often yeah um, and I think the scale of success is also um, dependent on the time and the place I'm in. But, you know, I could say celebrity names all the time, right? I could say, oh, shit, like, you know, Puff and Hove and mm-hmm. these rappers that I grew up idolizing. Yeah. And especially a person like Hove who came from a very difficult environment to be where he is now. Is, is and a built fucking, an empire. And built an, an empire of his own. Like, that's such a huge inspiration, yes. Um, but I think sometimes we often forget uh, people that are closer to us, that's just around us, that's yeah. doing amazing things themselves. Mm-hmm. And like, for instance, right, my pops came to America with like a thousand dollars and this is like a lot of typical immigrant stories but like this is shout outs to like all immigrant parents that really came here yeah I can't imagine like, doing that, that at their don't age don't fucking speak English yeah. that don't know anybody here like my parents didn't really know anybody like the only people that we knew in New York City at the time was my mom's uncle mm-hmm. on the third day that we came to America they were in debt so they 
ran away from New York in the middle of the night to Atlanta. So we were like stuck in New York City with nobody that we knew. You know what oh I mean? So like my pops didn't speak English. She had like a thousand dollars. My mom didn't know anybody. I mean, she knew like a few friend of friends and shit. And like we were f- two kids, like two boys, you know yeah. what I mean? Nine and eight years old. So you get a like, lot. yo, like my pops had to figure shit out. Um, and he was able to figure it out relatively quickly compared mm-hmm. to a lot of um, other immigrant families. So yeah. I'm always very grateful for that. Yeah. I think my experience, um, I, 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 you know, I wasn't, I didn't live in luxury, but compared to some of my other friends that came around the same time as I did, I, you know, my family uh, definitely stabilized themselves a lot quicker mm-hmm. um, thanks to my pops. And he's a fucking asshole, man. He's a, he's a fucking asshole. Like, some of the Keeping shit that straight. he would say to yeah. my mom and to me, my brother, like, some of the, like, the most blunt shit that you could think of. Yeah. And he's definitely not a soft-spoken, nice, gentle guy. Mm-hmm. He's a dick. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, and, but I think um, that type of um, straightforwardness and that type of... Um, rigidness Tough that love. he has um is able to was able to like get to where, where my family is, is mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah. so you know it's i have incredible. a lot like the older i get i just think like damn this motherfucker still makes more money than me and he doesn't even speak english you know what i'm saying and he provided like yeah. for your whole family yeah 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 so i'm just like wow like that's really incredible like yeah. what he's able to do yeah um yeah. i think i think the key word here is that this, he doesn't speak english man you know what wow! I'm mm-hmm. Like, and and, and it's probably, and I'm and I'm sure like it's the same case for a lot of immigrant, yeah. You know, father figures and mother figures. Like, yo, they don't speak the language, yeah. but they're still able to make a shitload of money, send you to college. Yeah. So when motherfuckers be complaining like, yo, I can't get a job, <laughs> like, yo, I can't do this. Like, I know. What the fuck you talking about, man? Exactly. Yeah, and you know, we are like scared to make changes and big jumps and I'm just like but a lot of our parents like my my parents at my age right now moved to another country right. you know where they didn't know anybody I don't have the balls to do that right. I thought moving to New York was hard you right. know so it definitely puts things into perspective again of just like the pains of our <laughs> the right. former generations yeah. to get to where you are and the next the next next is supposed to elevate so mm. since we're talking about some like you know some sappy <laughs> tear-jerking shit Mm -hmm. when's the last time you cried when's the last time i cried (sighs) the real answer is yesterday when i was watching this like bbc documentary about um (laughs) this chinese um american adoptee who reunites with her parents Mm -hmm. and her parents um kind of became this like viral famous because they wrote a letter to um, who the adoptive parents to be like every single year we're gonna wait at this bridge, in hopes of like you know seeing our daughter again and like they did it for like 21 years every single year that day they would like show up at that bridge in hopes because it was a un it was not their choice like they were so much in poverty that they had to give this uh-huh. baby up and it was a one child policy and um the you know they she their heart breaking story became viral in China and it eventually came to America and uh-huh. this girl Katie she you know she's an adult now she saw this documentary mm. and was like that's me 
Mm. Like that's those are my parents, and like she reunites with them, and it's like so sad, but like amazing. Oh, I'm, I'm gonna like, cry yeah, right, like, now. Well right now. I know, oh, Jake, you're crying too, and like, oh, uh, it was like I, I totally cried. Oh, but that's like man. a lame answer. But you guys should watch it. That's so. What's the good. name of the doc? I don't know. Or I'll meet you in the bridge or something like I'll that. I'll meet you in the bridge. Uh, we'll link it in the description. <laughs> wow. That's yeah, just, it's oh, wow. so good. Damn, that's just but I cry really easily. Well, like, right. you can, like, poke me and I'll be like, wah, you know? Like, so. I cry pretty easily, too. You yo. do? Yeah. When's the last time you cried? Yo, when did that movie come out? Um, <laughs> Coco? No. I, I bawled oh, I, in Coco, oh, no, though. I definitely cried in Coco, I bawled man. in Coco. In the plane. Yo. I was like, ah. Coco was yeah. pretty deep, man. Yeah. Coco was deep because it was I, I was able to relate to us on so many levels oh, no so but damn sure. yo so we just cry whenever we watch movies yeah and, basically <laughs> so what did what did made you cry recently yo I think it was Coco that's the last thing oh, I really? could think about yeah like yeah. I mean before, that's a long time ago I mean Coco came out like a while ago am I supposed to cry like every other week or every well you week? just said you cry a lot I do but so I think that's quite often right like like four times a year <laughs> or something whenever i watch like a a sad movie sad movie mm. and shit yeah uh, but okay. like yeah when people pass away you know, oh yeah no, of yeah, course yeah. yeah it's good emotions are good nah emotions are great man I, sure. I love to like it's therapeutic i love crying <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah crying is great for sure but did you ever cry because of a relationship uh like like a love relationship i don't think so it's we. I've never had a relationship like that deep to cry uh, about it. But I definitely have, you know, when I felt like rejected or something, I uh, cried about it. But it wasn't over this person necessarily. Okay. It was just a feeling of being rejected. Okay. But um, but I've never really had that deep of a love relationship to gotcha. cry. But yeah, what about you? Poke? Um, I definitely did. Uh-huh. I definitely have cried. Cute. Because of relationships. Uh huh. Um. But yeah, I think I think it's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, speaking I of s- relationships, like what's your deal breaker for a potential relationship? My deal breaker. Hard. Oh, this is so hard. What's what, what, it's so unfair because you already have your person, so you can't really. My deal breaker. Yeah. Yeah, my deal breaker has always been the same. What is it? And I think it kind of accumulated over the years, and I kind of like culminated into this perfect. Uh, a grading system. Okay, what's your core? Like my core neck. is three things. Yeah. Uh, number one. Yes. You have to enjoy walking. Okay. That's number one. That's the core. That's one of that's one of the main core because okay. yo, see, enjoy see, it's, it's all th- it's all like it all interconnected. Okay. It all connects. Number one, you gotta enjoy walking. Number two, you gotta be open to eating different types of food. Okay. And number three. You have to be, um, you have to be um, very receptive to new ideas and art and culture. Mm-hmm. So those are the three things. <clears throat> okay. Um, and it's all interconnected. The reason why I say that is, if you like to walk, that means that the likelihood of you um, dealing with shit is definitely uh, more lenient, and um, you're less high maintenance. Mm-hmm. At least just from my experience. Oh, I see. Yeah. Like if you like to walk, if yeah. you're like a shorty that's down to walk for like an hour to just chop it up, you're not as high maintenance. You're not going to be like, yo, my feet I hurts. I can't work on this. Yo, I got fucking heels on. Like <laughs> yeah. I can't do this shit. I'm getting sweaty. Let's hop on the cab. Yeah. Like, 
yo, I could tell, like, yo, you got a little bit of soldier in you, ma. Mm-hmm. You know, so like, yo, that's 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 another personality test too. Okay. Number two, if you're receptive to different types of cuisines, that's yeah. mean that yo, you're uh, you you have a secular mm-hmm. uh, mindset. Mm-hmm. You know, you're open to trying new things. Yeah. And um, that also means like, food is like good way to like gauge another person. Like, yeah. Eating food and having conversations. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? So. If you're if if you've tried different things, that also means that you have different ideas and you're open to shit. Yeah. So that's another like oh, barometer yeah. of yeah. like seeing yeah. like okay what this person is into mm-hmm. and how you communicate. Yeah. Okay. As if Those you're are like a shorty ones. that you you take them to an Indian restaurant and s- she looks at tandoori chicken, it's like ah, like I don't know <laughs> if I want to try this shit. It smells <laughs> different. We're like yo, nah. Yeah, yeah. It's it's all good. This is over. This is not working. Yeah. And then last but not least, like, you got to be receptive to art and culture. Yes. It's oftentimes, like, if people that are receptive to subculture that are um, open to trying new, uh, watching new art, you know, they have a certain type of political views and also just views in life in general. Mm Mm-hmm. And oftentimes it aligns closer to where I see things. Yeah. Um, and it also kind of has a, a reflection on how you present yourself. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So Like you have a taste level. You I have think. a certain type mm-hmm. of taste level. Mm-hmm. And I think it kind of reflects on what you like, yeah. how you dress, how you present yourself, mm-hmm. like what kind of stuff that you're into, how your fucking living room looks like. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, So yeah. I think all three of those things combined, it kind of creates a certain type of person ideal person for you. that fits me. Yeah. Okay, my deal breakers. I think <sighs> good to their parents. Mm. They have to be good to their parents. Like my biggest turnoff is like when, you know, they talk about their parents or like they're on the phone with them and they're like terse and rude. Mm. That's like such a big turn off for you. Turn off for me. Yeah. Um Another thing, they have to know what they want. I I can't deal with people who are just like I don't know. Like when it got, even if it comes to like a plan, mm. like okay, we decided to do this, and then like they're just like I don't know if I want to do that, or you know, if someone mm. who's like not very decisive. Um, are you decisive when you go to like a restaurant? I'm pretty decisive. Okay, yeah. I could tell. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm someone who will, like look at all the menu menus and like look at the different. And, like you know what you want. Yeah, and I'm just, yeah, I'm 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 much more of that way. Like in terms of like, I I try to consider the other person and like how they feel and like okay, well, OJK, like I don't think he's gonna like this, so I'm gonna like choose this place that's close to him, mm. and then he can like find parking easily and like so you know I kind of think those like those things. Mm. So when someone doesn't do that, it it's a little. I mean, it bothers the shit out of you. Yes, basically. <laughs> I just wanted to be on the same page of just right. like we consider we each other, right? right. But um, obviously, like your <laughs> standard of the page might yeah. not necessarily be the same page as the other person. Yeah. Right. And another thing is, I, I think they're, they need to have, I don't know, some spice or, you know, spice. like, spice. Like, I have <sighs> dated. A lot of guys that's bland as fuck. Who yes, yeah. Who are like no on paper, yeah. Who on paper they're like perfect. Amazing. Like my mom would cry. Like she'd be like, "Oh my god!" Like I'm so happy. Right. Um, By but, spice, like what do you mean? Like on the bed or like just like in general? Just 
just like a zest for life or just like interest in, you know, I very much like you. Like curiosity, I think is important. People that are inquisitive. Yeah. And people who are curious about other cultures or like Mm. have have a desire. Like maybe I've met, I noticed this about guys who grow up like really wealthy or like, Mm. you know, they don't have any like desires in terms Mm. of like, I remember I went out with this guy and I asked him like, so what are your hobbies? Like, you know, what do you like to do? And he's like, I don't really have any hobbies. Or for them, just spending money is a hobby, you know? And it's like, were you interested in anything in school? Like, Mm. did you want to be anything other than, I don't know, working at JP Morgan? And they Mm. didn't, couldn't bring themselves to answer. Whereas like, I would want a guy to be like, actually, like super randomly, like I did magic tricks or some shit like that. That's more interesting to me. Do you think that the reason why (laughs) Asian men in America is so emasculated and Asian women don't want to fuck them on many occasions is because a lot of Asian men that are in higher financial places are just boring as fuck? I don't want to answer that question. <laughs> Say yes. No, that's nah, not true. That's not true. No, nah, I agree. There's, I mean, it's just a white theory. people are it's just, just as theory. boring. Yeah, no, you're right, you're right, you're right. That's true. Um, and, and another note, like I strictly date Asian guys only. Like what? I can't, I can't date. I just think they're the most attractive. I just think I connect with them more. That that's another deal breaker if you're not Asian, I guess. Oh shit. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Damn. Yo. What? What? We just lost mad listeners. No, yo. I'm kidding. All the white dudes that are listening because of you is like they fuck, don't. They can't see our black, face. White, oh black, God. Latino dudes, brown dudes are just like fuck. No. I mean, uh, Joanne's not into me. Or or just like I. Whatever. Uh, That's my deal breaker. I can okay. I can have a preference and okay. it's just okay. it's just, you know, what I like. No, nah, I feel you, I feel you. But um New York is such a I mean New York is you, like a has a huge pockets of different yeah. diversity though. Cause like you know what? I actually do have a homie. Okay. And I call him homie endearingly. Okay. Not as like just some acquaintance. You know, yeah, acquaintance shit. and mm-hmm. shit. Like, he's you know like a I mean? real homie. He's a he's a homie, you know what I mean? I've known him since I was like younger. And he has a very successful career, man. Like, he works in finance, you know, makes good money. Um, but it's so interesting. Like, if I have his money, yeah. like, I would travel a lot. Yeah. Like, I would probably buy really nice furniture. Yeah. Like, um, possibly like go, art, to, go to know. very nice restaurants. Yes. Like I definitely experience live what life has a, to a offer. Little, I definitely live a little above my means, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. But I kind of consider it experience, you know what I'm saying? Whereas this guy, I asked him like, yo, so what do you do with your money? And he was like, hmm. It's like, yo, so where do you eat? I was like, oh man, I go to Chipotle a lot. What? And I'm like, yo, motherfucker, you make $200,000 <laughs> a year and you go to Chipotle? Wow. And I was like, okay, so do you buy shit? Like, what do you, what do you spend your money on? Like, do you buy clothes and shit? Oh, man, my mom kind of buys my clothes. I'm like, yo, his mom buys his clothes. Son? His mom is literally dressing him still. I was like, oh, <laughs> shit. Like, I was kind of yeah, shocked. And I was like, yo, what do you, what do, you do? Um, what, do you travel? Yeah. He's like, I don't really like to plan oh shit. God. And I'm like, wow. He's like a, what does he like? What, what makes I, I, but, him excited? But the thing is, he's a really good dude, man. Yeah. I really like this guy, and I love enjoying conversations with him. And he's very, um, 
receptive to what I say and you know vice versa yeah. like, he tells me stuff that I don't know anything about like he he teaches me stuff yeah. about investing and fucking yes buying properties yeah. and shit yeah. like that but I'm just like and maybe that's why he's so good at his job because he's so like unswayed by those like by the romanticism other, right, of right, those experiences right, he's right. very like nope this is what it costs and that's right. not what I want right. to spend mm. you know but oh, I think even that is also very subjective right because yo um, when I first came across like Aesop hand wash yes I love I that like, brand oh this shit is like what 50 bucks for a fucking jar of like hand soap and then you start thinking okay so I go to the bodega and get myself a three dollar hand soap right Yo, a fucking McDonald's cheeseburger is eight dollars, and this shit is going into McDonald's. My... Yeah, this shit, this shit is pricey. In oh the my city. god, it's like seven, eight dollars, right? Oh my god, this shit's going into my body, right? Yeah. Um, like we are willing to spend fifteen dollars for a, a cocktail at I a club. I was gonna say, mm-hmm. right? And you wash your hands every day, every single day, and this shit is touching your skin every day. And you feel like this shit is not it's as worth, worth it. it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. you wash your hair every day, and then the shampoo is only four dollars. Is like comparative. Yeah. yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like you, you know, like we we have you know we shout out to Labur. Mm-hmm. I know I know Le you didn't Burr. sponsor this particular episode, <laughs> but you know no parabens, yes. man. And that shit is yo, that shit means a lot. Mm-hmm. And I, I started thinking like dissecting it in that term. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? No, that's so true. Like, oh, drop yeah. a gem on it. <laughs> yeah, definitely dropping gems. Like, yo, like, think about it, right? Yes. It's like, yo, totally so, so is this hand soap really that expensive if you think about it mm-hmm. in that perspective? Mm-hmm. You no. Know? Am I really wasting my money if I just fucking went out last night and then just dropped $40, $40 on an Uber? Yeah, that's that was me. So You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> no, it's so like, true. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, everything is subjective. I, like, I want to ask you this, you know, what's like an idea that you would like to execute um, before you retire? An idea I would like to execute? <sighs> Yo, we're about to give away some Fortune 500 dollar. Nah, I know. That shit sounds like <laughs> stupid, Fortune 500 dollar. Nah, it's like some real like... Yeah. The, um, she's about to avail the next Facebook ideas, and <laughs> the next Slack, the next WeWork. Well, I guess, you know, I think going back to like what, what we do, mm-hmm. I, I much... I, I do, I mean, obviously this podcast is creating something and mm. it's creating content, but I've always been someone who um, I'm a supporter in terms of if I see someone who creates and if who I see someone that is brilliant, mm. like I am always the person that's like, have you met this person? I like kind of become their manager. It's like crazy. Mm. But I think for me, just broad strokes, I would love to help fund or be in a position of power where I can... Um, you know, green light a, a a content or an artist or somebody oh, wow. who is Asian American and can make a big a splash. Yeah, it's much more. Want to be the big mom? <laughs> yeah. Be like yes, yes, yes. You could go ahead and do that. Yeah, because um, you know, working here, I pitch so many stories, and it's like you quickly learn that like who has the power. Mm. It's like, and you, I kind of got tired of just pitching ideas to people. (laughs) Yeah, I kind of got tired of asking people to like my idea. I'm like, I want to be the one that says, I like your idea, you know? Yeah. So that's kind of my career aspiration. What about you? It's definitely empowering Mm -hmm. and it feels right. Because, nah, you're definitely right, man. Because I'm in a small business position. Of Mm -hmm. course, like, I do have to go through 
a few people to get some ideas approved, but m- most of the times, like whatever <coughs> ideas I have, I get it. Uh-huh. Now I do. Of course, mm-hmm. it's not as grander as it's not as grand, it's not as big mm-hmm. scale, and I'm not making as much money as I want uh-huh. to. But you know, it's a it's a very fulfilling. Um, uh, it's it's a very um, it's a good feeling to have, man. When you get your ideas yeah. executed the way you want mm-hmm. to be executed. Mm-hmm. So okay, cool. What, is, I, um, what is yours? <laughs> shit, like. Uh, and I know you have a lot, but if you can I give do, us one, I do. But um, the two big pieces of, I mean, aside from the fact that like now I have alumni, alumni. Alumni of NY on Instagram, yes. Flushing Store. We have three stores in New York, two in Brooklyn, one in Queens. Obviously, I would like to take this as big as it can be. Um, you know, having a retail business is tough, but uh, we're trying to take it to the next level with this. Mm-hmm. And also creating a hub for young creative types like myself coming from places like Brooklyn and Queens. So uh, hopefully these kids are like, like how I got inspired by... Um, some of these boutiques that existed in the city, like in Manhattan, like A-Life, um, where Atmos, mm-hmm. um, I mean, Atmos still exists, but these places were like hubs that kind of inspire me to do what I do now. So mm-hmm. I would like these uh, alumni flushing, alumni in Brooklyn to like kind of be that for the up and coming kids now. Mm-hmm. But aside from that, um, two ideas that I would love to execute before I retire are one, uh, I want to have a TV show. I want to. I want to be the executive producer. I want to get that oh. Jerry Seinfeld money, that syndication <laughs> money, that Larry scripted, David money. Scripted, unscripted. Scripted. Oh. I want to make a scripted show. Interesting. You didn't know about this? No, I didn't. I didn't tell you about this. No. Yeah. I have one idea that's kind of like brewing up right now mm-hmm. with uh, with a homie of mine who was my um, ex colleague at Double XL. Mm-hmm. That's definitely, I feel like it has a lot of um, market potential, and I don't want to say it. Is it Asian-centric? Asian-American it's, it's, narrative? Uh, it's not an Asian-American narrative. Okay. But it's, um, it's ethnically diverse in okay. terms of the cast. Great. And I don't want to say it because I feel like somebody else could execute it, Swipe. too. Swipe. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. somebody else could execute it, too. But the next idea, if that first idea goes well, I think it would create a platform for me to do the second idea which is my real magnum opus that I want to present to the world, is um, I want to do a story about, <laughs> bless you. Thank you. I want to do a story about um, about Flushing Queens. Mm. But it's going to be a drama. Bless you. <laughs> and Sorry. it's going to be interconnected with the one particular theme that connects all of these different characters. Um, a murder. Not necessarily murder. Okay. It's a drama, <laughs> but um, it has a, 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 a level of political element, mm. a level of social element, a level of immigrant element, a level of illegal crime element. Um, but yeah, it's going to be about flushing. And I don't think we are at a, a cultural state that such a show could be successful on its own. At least I think we're still like four or five years early. But hopefully by that time, like I get to create that. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. And um, last but not least, and I've been telling this shit to people forever. Yeah. Is I want to own a beverage company. Mm. You know what I mean? I had this idea since I was like five. And I'm saying this shit now. Like this shit is for the record. You know, I got lawyers on deck. (laughs) Shout out to retiring lawyer Julie. So I had this idea out first. I'm about to get this shit patented. 
I don't know if that shit even makes sense. But um, <laughs> yeah, like um, I want I want to own a, a beverage company because mm-hmm. so the revelation behind that was when I was five. I was drinking. I was drinking like Fanta because my mom didn't want me to drink Coke. I don't know. Like, this is fucking garbage. Mm-hmm. She probably way. thought there was some fruit in there. Yeah, she probably <laughs> thought that, right? And then she was like, yo, like, and I was like, yo, okay, so, mom, like, when did you drink Fanta? Like, what was the origin of Fanta? Yeah. And I was five. And she was like, Fanta was always Fanta. I was like, oh, shit, word? Mm-hmm. So, like, even when you were a kid, it was Fanta? Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. It's like, wow, okay. And I was like, five. And I was like, okay, so. If I drink this Fanta, where does it go? She's like, you're gonna pee it out. Like, oh, okay. And where does that water go? Oh, it's gonna it's gonna go down to, uh, you know, like it's gonna eventually filter out, and then it's gonna come back to us as rain. And that water is eventually gonna go back to your body. So I was like, yo, you telling me? Were you on? Were you smoking? <laughs> No, I was, was your five. mom smoking? No, I was five. I was okay. five. No, so it was basically like, you know, when kids ask why. Yeah, yeah. Why? 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 And then she kept answering you. these questions. Oh. And then eventually I was like, so you telling me this water evaporates, mm-hmm. goes up in the clouds and yes. rains back down. Yes. And part of that shit is my piss and this Fanta that I drank. Yeah. And she was like, you know, not exactly, the but yeah. The wonderful circle of Fanta. Yeah, it's like that's how Fanta has <laughs> eventually come back to you. Yeah. I was like, wow, that shit is fascinating. And the fact that you've been drinking the same Fanta for the last 30, 40 years, that shit is also fascinating. Mm-hmm. So she was like, yeah. And I was like thinking, you know, because fashion, right? Yes. That you have to create new trends every year. Yes. You know, fucking <clears throat> technology improvements every year. If you think about Coca-Cola, if you think about Fanta, this shit's been like pretty much the same formula for the last century. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's just really creating new marketing schemes behind it every year. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I was like, yo, I want to own a beverage company, yo. Mm. And from an ecological, in the, you know, from an eco perspective, motherfuckers are going to piss this shit out <laughs> and it's eventually going to come back to you. You know what I'm saying? It's, okay. So That's yeah. interesting. I never knew this. Yeah. So, mm. like, I had that idea since I was five. And I was like, oh, man, I want to start a beverage company. Yeah. All so, right. Yeah, What's it going to be called? Ajashi Juice? No. no. <laughs> Ajashi Juice is what you get from the Bogotans. I know. <laughs> but, but um, yeah, man. Um, So, yeah, another episode of 6.99 per pound. I'd like to appreciate everybody for coming through and we have more guests coming in oh and also if you are a professional of a particular field uh and you want to kind of share your story yo highlight us holla at us highlight us and just like hit us up you know what i mean who knows man maybe we might want to invite you especially if you're based in the tri-state where especially if you're in new york city mm-hmm. we want to hear your story man Awesome. Yeah. All right. And that note, 699 per pound podcast. We out. We out. Hey, yo, it's 699 per pound. Podcast.